The following sermon was delivered by guest preacher Rev. Dr. Laura Mendenhall in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here is Rev. Mendenhall. In our time together, as we hear again stories of ordinary folks just like us who encountered the redeeming love of God in their world, we come to the story of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. As we open God's word to hear this story, I invite you to pray. O oh Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Hear God's word to us today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So growing up, we had a sweet friend we called Rock. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Rock was shorthand for rockhead, which is what his dad affectionately called him on occasion when he was doing something that his dad wished he wasn't. Today's story is about another person whose nickname was Rock. Now his people had fond and respectful memories of the name Rock. When their ancestors were having a tough time crossing through the wilderness, their leader Moses, at God's direction, took a stick and struck a rock and water gushed forth, quenching everyone's thirst. God's power and holiness were revealed in a rock. The psalmist sang, God alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, so that I shall not be greatly shaken. It was God who saved them from famishing in the wilderness. God who continued to shelter them from that which would destroy them. God who was their refuge in times of trouble. They knew not to count on one another, not to count on their own might in battle, not to count on their own cleverness, not to count on the wealth of their resources, 
God alone was their rock, was steady as a rock. They could lean on God's power and holiness. And then generations later, Jesus called his disciples, fishermen like Peter and Andrew, James and John, ordinary folks who left their nets, their jobs, their families to travel with Jesus, to learn from him, to join in carrying out his ministry, his ministry of feeding the hungry, of caring for the hurting, of tending to children, of healing the sick, and of teaching God's love for everyone. Eventually, they got to the point where Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And as you just heard, they complimented him by giving him the names of the great prophets, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah. And then Jesus asked, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, after what may have been an awkward silence, was the only one to speak up. And he made his declaration of faith. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. With that, Jesus blessed him, declaring, Peter, you are a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. Well, the disciples likely remembered the rock in the wilderness and imagined that the church would be the place where God's power and holiness would be revealed and where their thirst would be quenched. But after all they knew of Peter, surely the disciples stared in amazement to think that Jesus was calling Peter the rock because they thought of Peter more as a rockhead. <laughs> Through the centuries, we've argued about the rock. Was Jesus talking about building his church on Peter the person and upon the papal, or excuse me, on Peter the person or on his declaration of faith? The Roman Catholic Church believed Christ would build his church upon Peter and the papal descendants of Peter's leadership. And the Protestant church believed that Christ would build his church upon the declaration of faith that Peter professed on behalf of all the disciples. Later scholars, both Catholic and Protestant, wonder if perhaps Peter was the rock, though in an unrepeatable way. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Jesus used his full formal name. And you know what that means when somebody uses your full formal name. This is the only such blessing that was given to any of the disciples. Jesus told Peter he would be given the keys to the kingdom, deciding who's going to get into heaven. However, if it's Peter who is the rock upon which God's power and holiness will be revealed, well, personally, I'm more with the rockhead group. What an unlikely character upon which to build the church. Think about it. Would you build your church on the one who had seen Jesus heal your own mother-in-law and a leper and one who was paralyzed and others who were sick or mentally ill? Who saw him bring a young girl back to life 
and heal a woman with a hemorrhage, who saw him command the winds and calm the storm, who gave sight to the blind, and who was actually present when Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people. Yet, when they were out fishing and seeing Jesus, Peter shouted to him, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And then Peter stepped right out of the boat and started walking on the water and then got so scared that he started to sink, of course, and cried out, Lord, save me, so that Jesus had to grab him before he sank. And Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Would you call this man of stumbling faith the rock upon which you would build the church? Would you build your church on the one who interrupted Jesus, telling of a parable, blurting out his ignorance? Explain that parable to me. Would you build your church on one that didn't even get it? Would you build your church on the one who, after Jesus told them to be humble as a child, not to be a stumbling block to others, to go after the lost, to settle their disputes, then ask, uh, how many times should I forget it, give another? As many as seven? I can imagine Jesus rolling his eyes at Peter when he said, 70 times seven. Would you build your church on the disciple who asked, what was in it for him? Assuming special privilege because, after all, as Peter said, we've left everything for you. What will we have? Would you build your church on the one who, after Jesus asked them to stay awake and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, fell asleep? Would you build your church on the one with such a quick temper that he cut off the ear of a soldier in that garden? Would you build your church on the one who, in Pilate's courtyard, three times denied even knowing Jesus? On your bulletin cover, or on your screen, is an Ethiopian manuscript, an artist's rendering of Peter's denial. Earlier, after Peter had declared his loyalty to Jesus, Jesus had said to Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And this denial is often how we remember Peter. Yet, Peter's the only disciple to receive an individual blessing when he stepped out of his fears and doubts to proclaim with boldness that Jesus was the long-expected Messiah. And Jesus, who was the rock upon whom they were going to build their lives, called this Peter a rock upon which he would build his church. As the story continues, Peter's called a rock again, but this time it is as a shorthand for rockhead. When Jesus told the disciples of his forthcoming suffering and death, Peter's fears returned and he rebuked Jesus saying, God forbid it, this must never happen to you. Then Jesus rebuked Peter saying, get out of my way. You have become a rock that causes me to stumble. I am the son of the living God. 
your rock and your salvation, your stronghold, so that you should not be greatly shaken. Yet Peter, who dearly loved Jesus and who understood him in a way that none of the other disciples did, he was greatly shaken. Fortunately, Jesus did not renege on the, you are a rock and upon this rock I will build my church and hell shall not prevent against it. Neither Peter's anxiety nor the death of Jesus could stop the church from coming into existence. And neither Peter's lack of understanding nor our lack of understanding will diminish the church. Neither Peter's denial nor our denial can overcome Christ's church. As far as I'm concerned, it's really good news that Jesus builds his church on one who didn't always get it, whose faith quavered, who had to be rebuked on a very ordinary follower with whom I can identify. And so, as you and I proclaim the sovereignty of God over all time, as we strip through our fear and our doubt and face the complexities of this time, the tragedies of war in Ukraine and around the world, the pain of severe difference in our country, the mounting environmental crisis, the senseless drug deaths, so many shootings, and as we still live into the trust that Jesus Christ is the hope for the world, we, we are a piece of the rock. When Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he told them they were built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the cornerstone. The church is built upon Jesus Christ, the rock. And in him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. We, we are joined to the cornerstone of Jesus Christ and we become the dwelling place for God's presence. We are a piece of the rock. The command given to Peter regarding whatever he binds on earth will be bound in heaven is applied to all the disciples as Jesus goes on to say that whatever they loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We are joined to the cornerstone of Jesus Christ as a dwelling place for God. And we have the obligation to forgive and to declare God's forgiveness. Surely there's some folks who look at us and stare in amazement and they probably shake their heads because they know that many times we are the rockheads. Yet, we are a piece of the rock, and as such, we continue to be the means through which many come to know the power of God and the forgiving grace of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit among us today. 
I saw this last Sunday and again today as we lift praise to God in song, lift our concerns in prayer together, connect with one another and offer welcome and hospitality. I know that Saturday night a week ago, the young adults around here joyfully celebrated their church's community in the prom upstairs. And on Wednesday, I had another opportunity to see this congregation as a dwelling place for God's presence. As people were fed right out here on 55th Street at a place at the table. I participated in many feeding programs over the years, but never in the midst of multiple lines of big black limousines letting off a delegation of somebodies at the hotel across the street. Never as Michael Cohen walked by talking on his phone and dodging homeless people who were standing in line to be fed. That was a new one for me. I was certain we were in God's presence as peanut butter sandwiches were made and distributed, as hand cleaner, toothbrushes, shampoo, and snack bars were offered along with a hot meal and coffee. As a candle was lit on a cake and happy birthday was sung to one who'd been looking forward to this for weeks. As backpacks were handed out to children in an immigrant family. As a man was told that transitional housing had been arranged for him and a car came and took him to his new home. As a man told me how last week Julia had found him a small Bible and how much it meant to him to be able to read the Psalms each evening as he slept on the streets. I know for certain that you provided a dwelling place for God's presence this week and will do so again next week and the week after that as you have for years. Baptism as Sarah so beautifully described, is only words and water without a congregation who lives out their baptism, denouncing the power of evil in the world and turning to Jesus Christ as the light of the world. The Lord's Supper is only wor words and tiny pieces of bread and sips of juice until it's joined to a congregation's feeding of the hungry and giving drink to those who thirst and caring for the sick and those imprisoned by life's hardships. And the good news is that Christ builds his church upon a rock like Peter who nearly drowned in his lack of faith. The good news is that Christ has and continues to build his church upon pieces of the rock like you and me who don't always get it right. And yet in God's amazing grace, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. At the end of John's gospel, Peter was one of those Jesus wanted to see after his resurrection. Jesus appeared at the lake shore and directed them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat and then help them bring in their catch. Peter jumped out of the boat so eager to get to Jesus, who had built a fire to prepare breakfast for them. 
And after they had eaten, Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Three times he asked Jesus and three times Peter replied, Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know that I love you. Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus responded each time, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. This was one of the last conversations Jesus had with Peter, the rock. I take it that Jesus could overlook all the rockhead things that Peter had done because he entrusted the lambs to him. May God take congregations of ordinary folks like you and me who look to Jesus as the rock of our salvation and through us create a dwelling place for God's power of holiness in a world that is so aching to see God's presence. Thanks be to God for making you and me a piece of the rock. Amen. I charge you who are a piece of the rock to be a dwelling place for God's presence in the world today, knowing that the forgiving grace of God and the powerful love of God the Father and the presence of the Holy Spirit are with you today and always. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.